everyone, and welcome to another episode of No Buts About It. It is Wednesday, November 15th. I am here in my dining room in Indiana. We have Stan the Jet Fan in his dorm room in Steubenville, Ohio. And uh, we watched a very interesting Monday Night Football game that ended up... I don't know. Actually, it wasn't interesting at all. It was terrible. It was awful. I can't even... Um, Stan, did you watch that game? I assume you did. We talked about it a little bit. I watched a good bit of it. Okay. So, uh, very first play of the game, James Cook fumbles. And that was kind of the whole thing for the Bills offense was turnovers. They had four turnovers. The Bills did everything they could to try to lose the game to the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos didn't capitalize as much as they should. However, they did win the game on a walk-off field goal. After they missed the first attempt and the Bills defense had 12 men on the field. So then they got to re-kick and then they won the game. So uh, definitely not a great game. I didn't even do a water cooler analysis on it because I was just basically going to be like, both these teams suck. Uh, Bills offense is terrible. Uh, I don't know how to fix it. And then they came out and they said that they are firing Bill's offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey. So, uh, Stan, what do you think about this move? I, I actually think it's a bad move. I mean, it looks like they have their, you know, their, their eggs lined up. You know, they, they didn't put uh, Joe Brady in a position. And I, I assume they have a good understanding of what he's going to be able to bring to the table. But I, I like Ken Dorsey. I think he's done a great job with the Bills. Clearly, he's done a great job with the Bills. I mean, he's made people believe Josh Allen's a top five quarterback in the NFL. Right. I mean, he was the passing game coordinator. He was the quarterback's coach for that team. He's been with them so long. So I think for quite a few reasons, it was a bad move. Um, I also think it was a little bit kind of kind of rushing, rushing it a little bit too much. It was a, it was a rush decision, it felt like, um, because to, to pull someone at this point in the season, obviously, this was not thought of ahead of time. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk about some other decisions today that were not thought of ahead of time so this is gonna be a theme in today's podcast <laughs> but this decision itself it was silly it was goofy and I, I just think it's gonna hurt them in the end um to have to get a new oc even though it's someone inside your building at this point in the season it's going to be a rough transition at the very least i can name one player who i know loves ken dorsey and that's josh allen right mm-hmm. josh allen the one guy on the team who's struggling and now you take away the guy he's been working with for what five years in so many different roles i just don't think it's a good decision i think that you're really putting a lot of pressure on allen now to have to work with a new type of play caller um to have to work through all of these uh bumps at, in the midpoint of the season and and another point is the bills really aren't that bad of a team right now they've had a rough game yes but they're still, you know, number two in their division. They're half a game from the first spot in that division, uh, a wide open division. I, I think they were really rushing the gun here, and I think it was a silly decision. So the Bills' offense has been praised as this elite offense for years. We've heard them called Super Bowl contenders, both on defense and offense, and they were never able to get it done. This year, the defense is just riddled with injuries. Um, that's part of the issue. But Josh Allen has led the league in interceptions since 2018, his rookie year. I think he's at 70-something interceptions since 2018, 90-something turnovers total. So that that's an issue. This year, since week five, the Bills' uh, 
offensive drives have ended in turnovers 21% of the time. Is that a concern for you? Do you think that's on Ken Dorsey, or do you think that that's just the personnel that they have on the field? I think it's a, it's a I think it's a mixed bag there. Um, I, I can't really blame Ken Dorsey that much because, well, one, he's not the head coach, right? So he's still listening to the head coach in, in terms of figuring out what the game plan is. Josh Allen, we know he's a turnover-heavy quarterback. That is just his style of play. And there's been players who, who've had that style who have been turnover-heavy. Think Brett Favre, uh, who's very turnover-heavy, very interception-heavy uh, quarterback, arguably one of the best of his time. I don't think anyone would really question that. So throwing a lot of interceptions, yeah, that's not a great thing, but it's not necessarily a sign of a bad quarterback. One of the really good skill sets of Allen, you know, is his ability to run, his ability to read pressure in the pocket. So he also has all these other skills that kind of offset each other. So for me, the, the issue with getting rid of Ken Dorsey is not getting rid of Ken Dorsey, but it's rather getting rid of him at this point in the season when you know that it's going to, you know, shake things up. I don't think this is a team that needs to shake things up at this point of the season. I think what would have been better would be to, you know, have, you know, get the coaches to maybe add in some new plays and develop their play style, maybe call for more checkdowns, maybe run uh, some more screens, things like that. Those decisions, I think at this point of the season could be beneficial, but to just scrap away everything, get rid of your OC in the middle of the season. It's a, it's a foolish game to play for the bills who aren't, you know, in a very bad position. They're what I think five and five, right? Five now. and five right outside the playoffs. Yep. Yeah. So I just think it was, it was really kind of jumping the gun and we'll see, we'll see in the next few weeks, how this turns out for the bills. Um, you know, and, and it could be a great decision, but right now it looks very foolish. So a few weeks ago, you said Brian Dable should be fired by the New York giants. Now, Brian Dable was the former offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills. He kind of helped develop Josh Allen. Um, do you think that there's a possibility that the New York Giants do move on from Brian Dable now? Daniel Jones is on IR. Tyrod Taylor's injured. They're running with rookie quarterback Tommy DeVito. Um do you think that this is kind of the Giants selling? They're going to move on for Brian Dable, and Brian Dable ends up going back to Buffalo. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities here. I mean, I, I was I was reading uh, an article yesterday of you know a reporter who thinks they're going to move on from Daniel Jones, which I I kind of hinted at earlier this season. Um, I think the Giants. I think they're going to scrap things, a lot of uh, things. I think they're not going to have Brian Dable. I think they're going to fire most of the people uh, in that organization this summer. Um, in regards to going back to the Bills, that part is where I'm a little bit unsure. Uh, we, we've seen it's, it's a tougher transition to make in one season from a head coach to, uh, to an OC. Looking at Daniel Hackett with the Jets right now, um, to do that in one season, it, it's very tough for, uh, for that type of coach. So to move back to the Bills specifically, I think it's a possibility. I don't know if the Bills are going to want to do that. I think specifically because now you have Brian Dable very much tarnished um, you have a fan base that is hungry for a Super Bowl that wants to see some heavy pushes and to bring Brian Dable, despite what he did with the Bills, despite all of the reasons why the Giants brought him as a head coach, I don't think it's going to be a very popular decision. Is it the right decision? I think it could be. I think Dable is, is, is very experienced. I think he's just a little bit in over his head uh, with the Giants as of current. Okay, and then final thing about the Bills before we get to your team, the New York Jets. 
I don't know if you saw this. Trayvon Diggs, who is Stefan Diggs' brother, calling for Stefan to get out of Buffalo, leave Buffalo, and he point he said Josh Allen has didn't pop off until Stefan got there. So do you think there's also a chance that we could see a Stefan Diggs uh, trade request in the offseason? He wants to get gone, uh, go to a different team? I think that's almost guaranteed. I mean, Stefan Diggs, look at what happened with the Vikings, right? He He's very hungry for some for some playoff pushes. He's really hungry for that Super Bowl. Um, I think the issue with Diggs, though, is that he he's, gets a little too emotional off the mm-hmm. field. And I think now Stefan Diggs, I haven't seen that from him in the last couple of seasons. I think he's matured a lot. I think his brother, though, is going through that same immaturity. Um, and, and that's going it, to – it's not a great look for, for Trayvon Diggs. Um, I think it, it's a bad decision to go and argue with people like that. The game, Diggs made mistakes in the game, right? He had, he had drops in that game, right? And he's had drops through the season. That happens with every wide receiver. I think at the end of the day, Diggs is at a team where he's almost guaranteed to make pushes for the playoffs. Um, how many other teams out there are going to be able to afford Stefan Diggs, are going to need Stefan Diggs, and are going to have the type of system that Diggs can succeed and that he's going to be able to go to? I can't really think of that many. I mean, can you think of any teams that that he might be a great fit on? The only one I could maybe think of is Kansas City, and that's iffy because I know he likes to be the main uh, ball handler in the passing game, and they're going to stick with Travis Kelsey as the main ball handler over there, I think, no matter who they have on the team. Yeah, and and that's the issue with Stephon Diggs. I think think it would be – silly of him to move on from Buffalo at this point in time, especially because they're still a, a competitor. They're still a Super Bowl contender. Um, even that they've gotten rid of their, their coordinator. I think that is a bad decision. I think it's going to hurt them, but they're still a contender. And I think he's going to be much better sticking off with them. Okay. Well, that's all for the Buffalo Bills. Stan had some very good thoughts, very good conversation. Now let's move on to your team, the New York Jets. Uh, Michael Carter was let go, the running back, not the cornerback. Um, kind of a shocking move. Big locker room guy, Michael Carter, was getting some touches there. Uh, Monday Night Football, he was like the only guy who Zach Wilson was able to complete a pass to late in the game. So uh, I'm kind of shocked that Michael Carter was the one to let go. Can you co- provide some context and help those of us who might not necessarily be as familiar with the New York Jets understand what's going on? Um, if you're asking me to provide context to why the Jets made that decision, I can't do that because <laughs> it's a terrible decision. It's a terrible decision. Um, I, I really don't understand what happened there. Uh, I saw I saw people online pointing out to a penalty he got, but I don't think that's the reason they cut him. Uh, and I, I think it's terrible management. Uh, because if you remember from the trade deadline, we are talking about the Jets trying to move on from Dalvin Cook. Do you know who got more phone calls than Dalvin Cook? Michael Carter. So you choose not to trade him and get something in return just to cut him a few weeks later? Terrible management. I don't know what's going on right now. Um, in regards to getting rid of Michael Carter, I think the only explanation is that they like Izzy Abanaconda just as much, maybe a little more than Michael Carter, and they don't see Michael Carter as the biggest part of the team's future um to that if that's if that's true if they're going to give the spots to izzy bonaconda i'm not against that i think chess would be even more for it than i am <laughs> but i just i i really don't understand the decision michael carter at the very least 
has been one of the more consistent and better pieces of this team the last few years. Now, does he have the potential to be a running back number one on this team or any team? I don't think so. I just don't think he's that type of player. But as a running back two, as a as a member of a running back room, I think he's very effective. Um, I think for me, and I've said this before, the ideal room with the Jets currently for me is Brees Hall at number one, Michael Carter and Izzy Bonaconda taking up the rest of the snaps. Dalvin Cook, even even in the last game, he took a he took a step back. Uh, in this last game against the Raiders. He looked worse than previously. And I was getting a little bit more comfortable with him these last couple of weeks, and he takes a big step back in this last game. Um, Dalvin Cook is not the answer. I, I think it would have been much better, much wiser to cut him. I understand there's a lot of cap implications. I imagine that's why they chose to cut Michael Carter instead. Um, that being said, it, this one hurts for me as a fan more than any of the other cuts uh, uh, from this offseason and from this last season. Was there any reason that you had to cut someone though, or because I assume you had your game day roster set? Um, was there a reason they needed to cut a running back? I mean, the only possibility would be that I could think of would be to give Abanaconda the snaps. That's it. Um, maybe they didn't like what C- Carter was doing in the locker room. I, I obviously we don't know what happened in the mm-hmm. locker room. I know Carter. Um, I will. I think Carter was also very much underutilized. So another possibility might, might be that they just didn't see the room for him to get the snaps he needed. So moving on from him might work better for him as a player. Um, it's really hard to say. I mean, I wish we could have traded him. If they knew this was a large possibility, I just don't get why you didn't trade him. Yeah, so Michael Carter, I mean, and granted this is outside looking in, but he always struck me from what I'd read about him as someone who understood his position. He understood he wasn't going to be the running back one once Brees Hall was back. Um, I think everyone knew that. And he struck me as a good locker room team chemistry guy that wasn't an issue. And then I read, I think it was Adam Schefter reported that they had a players only meeting and they didn't say anything about Michael Carter starting that or having issues with anything. But then after the players-only meeting, Michael Carter got cut. And that just that doesn't make sense to me because a lot of the concern with the Jets was, is the defense going to start talking bad about the um, offense? Is the Jets' defense going to get mad because the Jets' defense has been playing elite, phenomenal football, and the offense has been struggling? And then they go and cut this – seems like a team favorite best guy to have in the locker room. And now he's just kind of out there. That just seems really weird. Yeah, you said it. I mean, <laughs> it's very weird. So Stan is at a loss for words, New York Jets fans. I don't know if you have anything to say. I wish, I wish we knew. Um, I hope Michael Carter does end up somewhere. I don't understand this at all. I seems like you don't understand it at all either. Just not a move that I expected the New York Jets to uh, be making. Did you have any final thing you wanted to say about it? I mean, I I hope it, it ended off decently well between him and the team. Maybe we could see him again in the future. I really hope his career works out for him. I think he's a great backup, you know, running back two, running back three type of piece for a team. 
Um, and I think there's, there's a couple of teams out there. I could see him having the number one running back for a long. So hopefully it works out well for him. Um, you know, I, I, it, again, it, it hurts to lose him. He's, he was a fan favorite for me. I loved seeing him. I love watching him play. I mean, I loved seeing him even outside of the games, right? Uh, seeing him just like the way he interacted with his teammates, with fans. He was a great guy to have on that team. Yeah, well, hopefully he ends up somewhere good. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals, Chase Brown's on IR. Just maybe go get him. We need running back depth, maybe, kind of. Uh, I'd love to see him end up somewhere, though, even if it's not the Bengals. I'm just, I was shocked by the move. Um, something I wasn't necessarily shocked by, though, moving into the AFC West is uh, Deshaun Watson is out for the season. The reason I wasn't shocked is because it seems like just about every starting quarterback is getting injured this season, and we knew that Deshaun Watson had that shoulder injury against the Ravens. He played through a broken shoulder and I believe a sprained ankle, and it was a broken shoulder in his throwing shoulder, broken bone in his throwing shoulder, excuse me. Um, what, what do you think about this now? What do looking back at the Deshaun Watson contract, it's fully guaranteed. Um, he's not going to be playing. He's now been injured for about half the games this season. And now he's out. He was out half of last year because of the suspension. Is, was this a bad move by the Cleveland Browns? Yeah, I mean, 100%. Even back when they made the move, it was considered not the brightest move, uh, at least for PR reasons. Um, but he is just not turning out to be a great quarterback. And even when he was on the field, he looked average at best, right? He looked like a, a decent starting quarterback, but he didn't look like he was going to bring a team into the postseason. He didn't look like he was going to make a Super Bowl run, which is that that's what the Browns got him for. Um, and it, it sucks uh, for the Browns. Same, same situation as the Jets where we have all these great pieces but we're not able to have the quarterback to take us into the Super Bowl, to take us to the next level. So it's a rough situation for uh, for Browns fans. Um, I know you're a DTR fan. Um, I'm not <laughs> the biggest DTR fan. I don't know if he's going to go anywhere, but th- that's going to be something to keep an eye on. Yeah, so this this situation is not made any better by when you look at who the Cleveland Browns quarterbacks are and were actually so Josh Dobbs who was sent to Arizona to start while Kyler Murray was injured and then traded at the trade de- trade deadline to the Minnesota Vikings he's been killing it he's been a great quarterback um, definitely kind of a media darling right now up in Minnesota with his phenomenal uh, gameplay up there so now They don't have Josh Dobbs in Cleveland. They had P.J. Walker. P.J. Walker played horrible. Dorian Thompson-Robinson was someone who, as Stan mentioned, we hyped up in the preseason because he looked great. However, in his one start was against the Baltimore Ravens, and he found out he was starting the day of the game. So not a great situation. But he had only 121 yards, no touchdowns, and three interceptions. So... You're working with that. Not a great situation if you're the Cleveland Browns. You just traded away Donovan Peoples-Jones for a sixth-round pick, which we're going to talk about that more in a later episode. We've got a big plan for that. I realize this, though, Stan. The Denzel Mims trade 
the, the Jets when they traded him to the Lions, that didn't go through because of he he failed he didn't make the active roster. So they essentially got Donovan Peoples Jones for the same pick that they would have gotten Denzel Mims for. And so Browns have lost Donovan Peoples Jones for a Denzel Mims level pick. Then Amari Cooper's out there. Nick Chubb is out. Jerome Ford has been playing fantastic. But the Browns' offense has not been that good with Deshaun Watson, with P.J. Walker, with Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Is this a team now that we're going to have to watch? Is the defense going to start getting mad, do you think, as a fan of another team who is having a similar issue? I don't think so as much. I mean, here's here's why. At the very least, you have – a much more capable wide receiver room. The O-line is definitely much better than the Jets. So I think the offense, they have a lot of pieces there. And another big part is who are they playing? What position are they in? Um, they're still not a bad team, right? I think they have a winning record right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're second or third in their division. I forget exactly where, but that, that division, I think everyone has a winning record. So they're not looking like a poor team. They're not looking like they're underperforming. So I think for the Browns, uh, for the defense there, I think they're still going to, you know, keep it going with that team. I think if you see, you know, maybe the next two or three games lose and you're seeing a really bad uh, turnout from the offense, maybe you see like a couple of single-digit games on both sides, I think then the defense might might make a bit of a, a stink about it. But for the time being, I, I think the Browns' locker room should be kind of secure. Um, I don't see too many issues. Uh, for the Jets' locker room and – you know, th- that's what I'm really concerned about as a Jets fan right now. And with that locker room, a big thing is you've had so many games lost by just two or three points. And that's when it really begins to sting. Uh, for the Browns right now, I think they have a little bit more time, especially after getting the win against the Ravens, a comeback victory where a lot of it, a lot of that comeback victory was on the offense, right? They came back from, I think they were down, what, 13 points, 14 mm-hmm. points. Um, yeah. I forget exactly how much, but they, they, they came back pretty heavily. So, you saw a really good comeback victory there. You saw the defense not have the best performance. So I think for the defense, they're going to be a little humbled, at least at this point in the season. Um, we'll see how it turns out the next few weeks. But both both quarterbacks in that game, both Lamar and Deshaun Watson, threw pick sixes in that game. So there was still some big defensive plays made by the Browns to help them make that comeback. And the offense did dig them into a hole a little bit as well. So – there might be a rift there. I don't. I don't know. I think Miles Garrett has been the thing that helps really keep the Browns where they're at defensively. Um, he's just a beast. And if you don't think Miles Garrett's good, then you're just not watching him play. I mean, I don't care what team you're a fan of. I'm a Bengals fan, and I know that Miles Garrett's a monster. Um, I just. I think the Deshaun Watson contract was awful we i'm in a discord server for sports trading cards and the we have a daily debate and the question today was who is the biggest bust of this season and i said deshaun watson because he hasn't played up to his standards and the browns fans keep saying oh well he keeps getting better he's getting better well now he's injured and you're still playing him the same as what you were when he was injured or when he was playing He's making the same. He's going to make $46 million guaranteed no matter what. $230 million total. That goes against your cap hit. And now can you bring in 
a veteran wide receiver to help Amari Cooper, to help Deshaun Watson next season? I don't know. Is it worth it? Are players going to want to go play with Deshaun Watson? Is Nick Chubb going to come back? He's injured, might have had a career-ending injury. Is it worth it to him to come back and play for the Cleveland Browns if it's worth it to play football at all? I think these are the questions you have to ask, especially if the Browns just self-implode in a very, very uh, parody-driven AFC North that at one point last week all of the teams were in the playoffs. It's a good division. Bengals are at the bottom of it right now, but it's a good division. I I don't know if I would be so confident in uh, Deshaun Watson anymore if I was a Cleveland Browns fan. Maybe I'm just a hater. But uh, no, I agree. I agree. I I think another possibility is you're going to see uh, some smaller uh, increases to quarterback con- uh, contracts in the next couple of years. I mean, you saw the Daniel Jones contract and see where that is now. Mm-hmm. Look at the Sean Watson, see where that is now. A lot of great quarterbacks are having bad seasons. Even Josh Allen, who isn't really – I don't think he's an overpaid quarterback. He's not really having the best of seasons, right? And I think uh, I think that's going to impact how much quarterbacks are getting paid. I think also wide receivers are coming out as kind of the heroes in all this, mm-hmm. where there's been a few quarterbacks who've been hampered by not having the best receiving core behind them. So I, I think uh, it's going to have some interesting implications – on how much different positions are getting paid. I mean, Joe Burrow even had struggles. Justin Herbert hasn't looked good at all in this mm-hmm. offense. Um, a lot of these highest-paid quarters, Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts are really the only high-paid quarterbacks who have had good seasons this year. And even at times, they've had their struggles. Um, I just – I don't even know who – let's say Dorian Thompson-Robinson just flops. Let's say P.J. Walker – I mean, we know who P.J. Walker is by now. Who do you even go after if you are – the Cleveland Browns to start for you because we were like, Hey, Carson Wentz is still out there, but now he's with the LA Rams. He's Matt Stafford's backup. So is, is Cam Newton going to make a comeback? Finally, is he going to achieve is Colin Kaepernick going to achieve his like decade long attempt to make a comeback to the NFL? It might happen. We're getting to that point where they're running out of names. They're running out of big names. And if Colin Kaepernick, he claims he can still play, he wrote the New York Jets and said that he can still play, do do these guys make a comeback? I could see Nick Foles uh, perhaps ending up with the Browns. You know, I mean, that's that's a team that wants to get into the playoffs. Nick Foles has been in the playoffs. He's made a Super Bowl Mm -hmm. run, right? I mean, he's a very good, very capable quarterback. Um, and, and because you have a good running back room on the Browns, I think you could probably get a quarterback so you could just kind of focus on those dump-off passes, not make the big mistakes. Um, and I think I think P.J. Walker and DTR, I think they're fine. They're going to be fine as backups. Um, I think from week to week, you might have to switch them up a little bit depending on who's looking a little bit better. But at the very least, they uh, P.J. Walker especially, he has a very good arm. He's going to make those uh, those longer passes towards the end of games, um, when the Browns maybe aren't looking the best. Um, the big question for me is, will uh, the the offensive coordinator for the Browns, well, will that um, uh, the coaching staff be able to make the adjustments to take a little bit of pressure off of DTR, 
little bit of pressure off of P.J. Walker. You know, make it a little bit of a smoother ride for them. If they could do that, I think the team will be perfectly fine, especially because they played very well in terms of at least wins and losses up till this point of the season. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting. I, I mean, it just seems like there's so many quarterback injuries at this point, and I'm getting kind of scared that Burrow's going to get injured because it's just bad. It has been awful. Um, if you don't know about Xfinity Mobile. Players keep getting injured. Quarterbacks keep getting injured. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe Dorian Thompson-Robinson is able to achieve it. I don't know. I don't think he's in a great offensive situation right now. We'll see, though. We will see. You wanted to talk about the former Patriots cornerback, Jack Jones. He's in his second year. Had some attitude issues. And uh, Patriots allegedly, as it was reported, told him when they went to London, like, hey, you have this London game to sort out your attitude. If you don't, you're off the team. He didn't. He's off the team. And uh, the Raiders went after him. The Raiders picked up Jack Jones. So what do we think about this move as a former, well, you're still an AFC East fan, but the Jets playing the Patriots? Well, for the Patriots, I think it's a great decision. At the very least, Jack Jones was a humongous distraction back there. That being said, we know they've had injuries in that room. Uh, they've lost Christian Gonzalez, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've had other injuries, too. They are not a team that really should have gotten rid of someone at this point of the season. At the same time, it looks like the Patriots are kind of bracing for a, for a major rebuild. Uh, by all uh, reports, they're probably going to move on from Bill Belichick. Um, they don't really have a quarterback of the future on that team right now. So there, there's so many questions out there about this team that I think this was the right decision at the end of the day, despite not having the best room, uh, the best cornerback room. Um, For Jack Jones, I have a quote here I pulled up that I think is pretty funny and tells everything you need to know about him. Uh, This is from an NFL scout, by the way, who was charged with uh, studying the AFC East. He says, my goodness, does he play with a ton of swag, even if it is misguided sometimes. His eyes are always in the backfield. I can tell you, we'd attack his ass. He might pick one, but we're just as likely to get him for two. I'll take those odds. Because at the end of the day, Jack Jones is a humongous risk as a player. He's not very safe in his play style, and he's not the type of guy uh, who's going to listen to coaching direction that well. So even if the coach says, hey, play, don't play the ball that much, play the man, play the man, he's still going to go off the ball uh, a little bit too often for a lot of coaches' liking. Um, and that lack of discipline there is why the Patriots got rid of him. One of the few things you can uh, see as a major positive uh, at this point in the Patriots is their discipline. They're a very well-disciplined group of players. Um, As a Jets fan, we've had, I think, one less uh, penalty than points uh, the last three games. That discipline means a lot. Um, So having a guy like Jack Jones who gets a lot of penalties, who gives a lot of major plays, despite getting some picks here and there, that is a, a big risk for that team. And a thing that... You know, he's not really helping that locker room. So I think moving on from him is good for those reasons. For the Raiders, uh, they also, like the Patriots, don't have a very good room when it comes to cornerbacks, especially when you're looking at outside corners and outside coverage. Uh, Jack Jones, he's good. He's decently good on the outside. Uh, now, the big question for him is, will he be able to 
pull back. Maybe getting caught here was the best thing for him. Maybe he's going to be a little bit more humbled and he's going to listen to his coaches a little bit better and be able to play, you know, the man versus the ball at the right moments. If he's able to do that, I think you have uh, a starter level cornerback in the NFL. Uh, he showed many glimpses of being a starting level cornerback. I mean, we'll see what the Raiders can do with him. The Raiders, especially after beating the Jets uh, this last week, they are eyeing the playoffs again. They're, they're, they they have their eyes looking ahead. Aiden O'Connell's looking great. Their new coach, two two uh, two and zero in his first two games. Um, that's a good look for you. So you at the very least, you're getting someone in that room who shows potential. And if you can make him work as a starter, so much the better. So you mentioned they have that new head coach. He's an interim head coach. He used to play for the New York Giants, defensive player. Do you, are you nervous at all that this Jack Jones fellow is going to say, hey, you're not even a real coach, man. You're just the interim head coach. I don't need to listen to you. Is that a concern that you have for him at all? Well, because uh, if Jack Jones has shown one thing, he's a bit of a jerk, that's definitely a concern. But to my understanding, Pierce, the head coach for the Raiders, has a great control on that, uh, on that locker room. Their players really respect him. And getting two wins uh, to start off his, his career as a head coach, you can't start off better than that, right? Two wins are two wins. And they were good wins. They showed a lot of promise for the mm-hmm. team. Especially that's, that's compounded when you have Aiden O'Connell as your starting uh, quarterback. Um, so we'll see how it goes through the next few weeks. Um, I can't imagine you can see Jack Jones have too much of a role this first week. Maybe uh, by his second or his third week in the league. Uh, sorry, on the Raiders, you might see him have a larger uh, part of this team. A little bit of a higher snap count. Definitely. I don't, I don't like this move for the Raiders because the Raiders are notorious for picking up players who have bad HR and PR uh, reputations. And they, I, I would think they'd want to get away from that. I'd think that they'd want to kind of mm-hmm. say, no, we're a pro- very professional organization. We're going to put together a winning team and we're going to win this game. Uh, we're going to win multiple games. And we're going to start building up to a team that can be the Super Bowl champions that we used to be. But this move doesn't show me that at all. If uh, that's all Stan has to say about that, I'm going to talk about the Cincinnati Bengals both on Sunday and (laughs) Thursday night football game against the Ravens. Stan and I were talking about it a little bit before the show. And uh, we had bit of different takes here so against the Houston Texans the Bengals defense looked awful um there's no no different way to put it um see Cameron Taylor Britt CTB still had his interception like I thought he would what I did not expect was for the Bengals run defense to absolutely implode on itself and allow Devin Singletary to rush all over them. He's the backup. Not only that, I don't know why this is. Noah Brown, no matter what team he's on, always has a good game against the Cincinnati Bengals and a good game he had. He had seven receptions for 172 yards, averaging 24.6 yards per reception. And most of those, I've, I, I don't have the exact numbers here, but I feel like most of those came on third down because 
Another issue the Bengals' defense had was they were not able to get off the field. They were just chilling and letting a rookie quarterback throw the ball all over them, letting Devin Singletary, who has struggled all season. The run, the Texans' rush offense as a whole has struggled all season, but not against the Bengals. He had 150 yards against the Bengals. To put that into perspective, he has 359 yards this season. 150 of those 359 yards came against the Bengals. That is over a third of his yardage coming in one game. I was not happy. And then people had the audacity on Twitter to say that Tyler Boyd is the reason they lost that game. Which, yes, Tyler Boyd dropped the game-winning touchdown. Sure, okay, you can be upset about that. But that that one play is not the reason they lost the game. You cannot say... Here's 100 plays, and then we're going to win the game on one. Joe Burrow threw two interceptions. One I'll put on a bad throw. The other, I think, was Drew Sample. But other than that, the offense played okay. Defense played terrible. Defense could not stop C.J. Stroud, who has been having a phenomenal rookie year. He was coming off of a phenomenal game, so it's not even like you were – it was a surprise. Um and that's why against the Ravens, Bengals in that game didn't have T. Higgins or Sam Hubbard versus the Texans, two big stars. Now they might not have Trey Hendrickson, who is the big uh, turnover machine and sack machine. T. Higgins is also likely out for this game. Sam Hubbard is also likely out for this game. Uh, Andre Yostivas, the rookie wide receiver star, is not practicing right now dj reader practiced yesterday didn't practice before cheeto is injured cam taylor Britt is injured with a finger injury but he was full practice i cannot objectively and honestly say (laughs) that i think the Bengals will win this game against the ravens i just can't when you have lamar jackson coming in um having a phenomenal season and he is one of the most prone to rush quarterbacks in the NFL, and you don't have Sam Hubbard. If you have Trey Hendrickson, he's playing injured. Uh, I think the Bengals' offense will need to put up 50 points in order to win this game, and I don't see that happening uh, because I think Lamar is going to have a great game. You know, I don't think you're wrong in a lot of that, but where I disagree with you is I don't think it's going to be as as much of a you know big point differential as you see. Uh, I think – even at the worst, I think it's still going to be a one, maybe two score game at the end of the game. Um, and, and the reason for that is because the Ravens and pretty much everyone in that division, the AFC North, um, they haven't really been consistent. So uh, in a divisional game, which are always a little more exciting, a little, little more, uh, you know, well put together, um, I think the Bengals are going to be able to pull through with it. The Bengals also have a lot of depth in uh, in their defensive line. I think they're going to be able to do uh, quite a lot to slow down the Ravens there. Uh, and one of the things where the Ravens really struggle is in uh, their run offense. It's not as good. If it wasn't for Lamar Jackson being able to kind of, you know, open the field up, open their field of play, um, I don't think the Ravens would be as successful as, of an offense. So when I look at the Ravens and what they're doing and what they can do against the Bengals, uh, you know, outside of that home advantage, I think it's really not going to be as much of an advantageous spot for the Ravens who are coming off a really disgusting 
uh, loss uh, to the Browns. They should have won that game. To lose to the Browns and then play the Bengals, you know, the team that was in the Super Bowl two years ago, it's it's a rough transition for the uh, Ravens, and I think that's going to put a lot of pressure on them. It, so, if if the Bengals had either Trey or Sam fully healthy, I would be more okay with it because then you can kind of contain Lamar Jackson a little bit. At this point, I have seen nothing out of the rookie first-round pick, Miles Murphy, that gives me any indication that he is going to be someone who can step in and replace either of those guys. At one point during the Texans game, he got blocked by a wide receiver. Our defensive end got blocked by a wide receiver. That is not good. That is no bueno. And I didn't like the pick to begin with because I wanted a tight end. I wanted Sam Laporta. I wanted Michael Mayer. Those were the two guys who I wanted the Bengals to go after. They didn't go after either one. Okay, we've got who we've got. I I just am very nervous about what Lamar has done to the Bengals before and what he can do now. The Bengals' rushing defense is terrible. They have Keaton Mitchell, who Keaton Mitchell has had a 138-yard game against the Seahawks. He only had 34 yards against the Browns, but um, that was a weird game as well. He's only been in two games, so, I mean, I guess he can go either way here. Got Gus the Bus Edwards out there. Justice Hill is always a wild card. Lamar Jackson can use his legs. It. I don't know. I don't want to be that, like, doomsday Bengals fan because I can't stand those guys. Like, the people who, when we were – 0-2 at the beginning of the season. We're like, okay, season's over. Those people I can't stand. But I just, I think it's going to be a very uphill battle for the Cincinnati Bengals in this game. And I struggle to see how it can be close unless Jim, uh, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase just, like, light up the field. And I'm sure they're going to put everyone they have on Jamar Chase and force Tyler Boyd to have a redemption game, which would be awesome, too. Um. I'm just very nervous about this game on primetime Thursday night football. And there's a lot you know, of implications. What do you got? One last point I'm going to bring up is take a look at your linebacker room. Those are the guys who are charged usually with keeping an eye on Lamar Jackson. And like when you mentioned, when you ran through those running backs, you did say two of the three are wild cards. Gus Edwards has not been very consistent either. Um, I think the linebacker room is a great room that's going to be tasked very heavily with keeping an eye on Lamar Jackson. I think your coaches, they understand that, yeah, you're losing, you know, two of your best edges, you know, your D line may not be pushing as heavily. So those linebackers who are going to be charged with, you know, reading the plays, finding the run, uh, looking through and keeping their eyes on the running back as well as stopping Jackson when he gets his feet moving. Um, I think that's a great room to do that specifically. I think they're very well tasked um, at fighting that room. I'm uh, sorry, at fighting that run from the Bengals. I'm uh, sorry, from the Ravens. So I think that's something to keep an eye on. Um, I think we'll have to agree or disagree here. Uh, I, I am excited, right? I'm excited for this game. I think it's going to be one of the best games of this week. Uh, and this is coming off a week where we had, what, five or six games, maybe more than that, end within a uh, field goal. So uh, I'm very excited. I'm liking the way the season's looking. Yeah, I mean, so I do agree. Um, Logan Wilson, Jermaine Pratt, BJ Hill, those, those linebackers are phenomenal. Logan Wilson, though, you could be right. I think he, 
was bothered by the fact in the last time they played the Ravens, he was the QB spy, and he just completely blew it. And Lamar had a major run on him. And I like he blew it so bad, people were like, who the heck was the QB spy on that play? And we they figured out it was Logan Wilson. But I think he's gonna want his revenge there. I just I'm I'm just very cautiously nervous. I'm not the Josh that said we are the best team in the NFL anymore. We have been uh, taken down a peg a little bit. Can Joe Burrow still do it? Yes, he's still Joe Burrow. Cautiously optimistic and a bit pessimistic is how we're going into Thursday Night Football, though. Hopefully it's a good game. Hopefully it's a Bengals win. That'd be great. Um, But that's that's all I have for today's show. Did you have any final statements you wanted to make uh, to the audience, to the New York Jets about them cutting Michael Carter. I mean, I've been a very big supporter of the uh, Jets front office. I've said uh, time and time again that I love the way this front office has made their decisions. Um, This one, out of all the decisions, I think is by far the worst. I I cannot think of a decision that has hurt us as much as, as cutting Michael Carter. Um, especially because you have the ability to trade him just a couple weeks ago. So it, it's, a, it's a weird situation to be in. Um, I really don't know what they're thinking. I hope what's going on here is they realize that, you know, Izzy Bonaconda is so insanely amazing that even though they haven't played him once, they want to give him more of a chance. Um, and I hope that, you know, that's going to that's gonna be the takeaway from all this. But at the end of the day, I, I really can't read what's going on here. Well, there you have it, New York Jets. If you're listening, uh, you made a mistake, and hope hopefully you're going to fix it with Izzy Abandacana. Thank you for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed, please remember to like, comment, and subscribe. We can be found anywhere you listen to podcasts and on YouTube at No Butts Show. Our social media pages are No Butts underscore show on Instagram and No Butts Show on TikTok. My Twitter is Josh underscore Butts underscore show. Or no, it's not. It is Josh underscore Butts underscore 2001. And if you would like to reach us, you can email us at bullmoosepodcast2, that's the number 2, at gmail.com. Finally, our spread shop will be in the description, so make sure to check out the merch. Once again, if you enjoyed today's show, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Until next time, go do something nice for someone.